This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Well, 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 welly, well, welly, well, well. We all know what happened last Monday. Uh, I talked extensively about it last on last week's show. Uh, it was the solar eclipse that was making its way across much of the United States. I mean, right through the center part of it, lengthwise, just right through the well, you know, lengthwise. I don't know, but right through, and. It was quite exciting. Lots of people were on board to see it and headed into the path of totality, which is a great phrase, path of totality. And um, I was a little bit, I was, let's say I was a little pessimistic as to my chances and anyone else in the Twin Cities' chances of seeing anything of the eclipse. Now, we were only supposed to get about 85% when it got to peak. We were not going to uh, be on the path of totality. So, uh, but 85% isn't bad. Of course, there are those that say, look, you, if you don't get totality, what's the point? But there are those that say, hey, you know what's still cool? <laughs> and I'm one of those. I say, you know, it's still cool. But uh, just to recap, what I went through last week, uh, beginning on the Tuesday prior to Eclipse Day, the uh, morning weather the seven-day outlook was showing Monday as being overcast and rainy, and it never changed. Each day of the week that we got there, it was overcast on Monday. It didn't matter. The Sunday before, partly cloudy. The Tuesday after, partly cloudy. Never changed. Always cloudy on that Monday. Sometimes it might be rainy. Sometimes it might be scattered thunderstorms or just cloudy, but that's what it was looking like. And so I uh, adopted the pessimistic point of view and said, we're not going to get to see it at all. So there you go. So I'd be prepared to not see it. I wouldn't be all that disappointed. I'd be disappointed, but at least I was prepared to not see it and say, well, that's how it goes. I could say to myself, at least I didn't go somewhere to not see anything. And... And that kind of that held. And the, the Tuesday on that Friday before, when I recorded the show, the Tuesday after the eclipse showed that it might rain on that Tuesday. So that did change, but Monday stayed the same. Well, the day finally came, and Monday morning I got up, looked out the window, fully expecting overcast skies. Well, what did I see? I saw some blue sky. I saw some clouds. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a cloudless sky. 
and there were quite a few clouds out, but I saw quite a bit of blue sky. And the sun wasn't obstructed by the clouds. Oh, a wispy one or two might come by for a bit, but for the most part, the sun was right there. Right there. I thought, hmm, wonder how long that's going to hold up. Watch the morning weather. The guy says, uh, the weather guy says, well, it's going to cloud up a little bit later this morning. And for the beginning of the eclipse, which was set to start at about 11.45 in the morning in the Twin Cities, uh, the beginning will be probably cloudy. Probably won't get to see much. But as it approaches peak, we should get some breaks in the clouds and we might get a little, you know, a little peak itself at the peak. And, and then during the peak, we might get even more of a glimpse of it. We might, it just, it just might. That's, uh, that's about where I left it when I headed, headed into work. Well, I made sure I brought my eclipse glasses and I left the, uh, the postcard with the pinhole on it here at home for, for Amy and Hayden. <laughs> I'm getting the glasses, sorry. <laughs> uh, so I, I get to work and start doing whatever I got to do. And as the day's going along, I keep looking outside. It's like the sun is still visible. There are clouds around, but it's not getting too bad yet. I'm thinking, well, there might be a chance. Maybe there's a chance. Well, keep working. And uh, at about, I don't know, 10 in the morning, 11 in the morning, I'm not sure exactly which, uh, I, I was looking outside. The sun is still out there. So I, I took to Facebook and, say, and said, look, the sun's in the clear. Let's have the eclipse happen right now. Can't we speed this along? I thought about suggesting that maybe everybody in the world should get out and run to the west, and that might speed the rotation of the planet, but then that probably won't work, because you'd need to get everybody to do it, and there's always going to be some that are just going to say, look, I can't do it, and there's going to be the people that you know are in wheelchairs or something, but if they're motorized wheelchairs, they, well, they could push their wheelchair. There's just going to be people that aren't going to want to join in. It's just, you need everybody on board. And some people aren't even going to hear the call for it, you know. There's, you know, it's hard to get a hold of everybody. So I figured, well, let's not even try to suggest that. So the boss calls at about 10.30. And he says, uh, he says let's meet uh, to, to get the paychecks because it was payday. He says, let's meet at noon. And I said, let's meet at 11.30. <laughs> He's uh, 11.30? And I said, yeah, I want the eclipse is supposed to get started at quarter to 12. At 11.45, so let's meet at 11.30. I might get a chance to get back to the office so I can watch the thing. Oh, okay. Well, my, you should know this about my boss. He's rarely anywhere on time. And so, okay, fine. I get to the place that we meet up at 11.30. The sun is still there. Just before I left, though, just before I left the office, some a Facebook friend of mine who lives in central Minnesota says, It's raining here and it's headed your way. I thought, oh great. As I'm driving to meet up with the boss, I'm thinking, you know what's going to happen? It's going to be Godzilla. That's what's, going, that's what's going to happen. Now what do I mean? Remember the movie that came out a couple, few years ago, Godzilla, the one with Brian Cranston? Remember, if you saw that movie, you'll, there was a scene in there, when I describe it, you'll remember. There's a scene in the movie where, I think they're in San Francisco, 
and Godzilla battles these two monsters. Uh, and he's about to start battling one of those monsters in San Francisco. I think it was San Francisco. The camera is down on ground level, looking up at the cityscape and these two monsters facing off at each other. And all these people are hurrying to an underground shelter. And the camera is moving along with the group of people going into the underground shelter. We are looking out. The view is looking out of the shelter at these two monsters about to engage each other in battle or maybe even just beginning to fight each other. And these two big doors close in front of the camera. You know, to the, sh the doors to the shelter close. And you don't get to see the battle. It's a, it was a weird choice by the filmmakers to do that tease. Ooh, a battle's going to take place. And, and no, the doors close. And they don't cut back to it. It's, it they, don't, they don't cut away. You know, okay, these people are safely into the shelter. Now let's go out and see what's going on in the battle. Nope, they don't. They just leave it. Weird, weird choice. Weird choice. Uh, that's something that the, the movie uh, Kong, Skull Island, that's something they got better. Because the one criticism I had of Godzilla was there, there could have been more Godzilla in it. But I still liked the movie. And it still got a, a good amount of Godzilla, but there could have been more. Kong, Island, uh, Kong Skull Island, it, it takes 30 minutes before Kong shows up. But once he's there, man, you, you get plenty of Kong. Not too much, not too little. You get, you get just right. You get a good amount of, of, of that giant ape. Uh, wreaking havoc and and coming to the rescue and battling monsters and all kinds of stuff. It's pretty good. And I think they the filmmaker and, and since and these two movies, Godzilla and Kong Skull Island, they're in that same universe. So they're setting up for a movie where the two monsters meet. Uh, yeah. So so we got that coming. Uh, anyway, so I thought we're going to have a Godzilla here with the eclipse. What's going to happen is it'll start. To happen, the the sun will start to be obstructed by the moon, and just as the moon is starting to starting to take a bite out of the sun, the clouds are going to roll in. Those will be those doors of the shelter closing. That's what I thought was going to happen. That's you know, Mr. Pessimism was still niggling in my ear, just saying, hey, 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 you know, don't get your hopes up too high. But I get to okay, I get to where we're going to meet up. Boss isn't there yet, of course. And I hop out of the out of my vehicle, and I, I put on the glasses. I look up, and I see uh, the sun is still in good view. There's the clouds are approaching, but still plenty of sun. And I get a call from the boss, and he says, uh, "Yeah, uh, the wife wanted me to head to the bank first, so uh, I'm coming from the bank. I'll be there in six minutes." Which is weird. That's a weird thing about my boss. He says, "I'll be there in six minutes." It's Six minutes? What? Who says six minutes? What's this guy on base 12? Something? I mean, it's... who? I, most everybody else would say I'll be there in five minutes or ten minutes. Six minutes? And he says that all the time. I'm six minutes out. And, it's, of course, it's never six minutes. It's more like 15. But that's what he tells me. Okay, okay great. Okay, so I know he'll be at least 15 minutes before he's there. So I hang out. Sun is still out there. And now it's 11.45. So I look up, and there it is. There's the moon cutting into the sun. Awesome! <laughs> and it's, it's, it's really cool. And I'm watching, and, uh, and then the boss finally pulls up, 
And so then I hand him the glasses. Here, take a look, take a look, it's happening right now. And he looks up and he says, oh, that's cool. And which it was. And then I get the checks and he takes off and I take off to go back to the office. Now I'm driving back and I thought to myself, why don't I, why didn't I go home? There's no reason for me to go right back to the office. I should go home because my wife and my son, they just have the postcard thing. They don't have the glasses. So I can at least share them with the glasses. The sun's still not obstructed by the clouds, even though the clouds seem to be gathering. So I, I take the quickest route that I can figure to get home. But that does include going along this main street kind of roadway that uh, has a lot of traffic lights on it. And wouldn't you know, I think I hit just about every red light. So, oh, God, oh, God, come on, let's go, come on. And, uh, and, and one of these red lights, there's, two, there's three cars in front of me. The first two cars go when it turns green, but the guy right in front of me is not paying attention. You know, that happens. Your, your mind's wandering. You're not paying attention. So I give the gentle honk. And then he takes off. So, all right. So I get home, run into the house. Hayden's on the, on the couch. He's on the laptop doing whatever. And Amy's upstairs. And I said, come on, come on. I got the glasses. Let's go take a look. It's out right now. It's out right now. Let's go. And so he runs upstairs. What are you going upstairs? I got to get mom. So, okay, get mom. And I'll, you know, so I go out on the deck. And then I put on the glasses. I look up. It's now about 40, 50%, maybe even more than 50% coverage. So, and remember, we're going to 85%. So we're looking. So it's getting there. It's, it's really cool. And... So they get, they finally get on on the porch. I hand the glasses to uh, to Hayden, and he looks at me and says, "Oh, that's cool." And then he hands them to Amy, and she says, "Oh, that's cool." And I'm trying to figure out how to do the do the postcard pinhole thing, and I finally get that figured out. So, oh, there it is. Look, there's cool the reflection and all that. Our next door neighbor, her daughter was over, and they had come out with those uh, the boxes that you can make. We put a pinhole in the top, and then and then you have a, a view area at the top of the box, and you look inside. And you just aim the pinhole toward the sun, and you can see the, you can see it inside the box. And they're trying that. And I said, "Oh, wait, wait!" And I come running over. Now at this point, the clouds are beginning to move across in front of the sun, but they're still patchy enough, still thin enough that we're it's not being blocked, so we can still see it. So I run over and I hand the glasses to my neighbor, and she looks up and she says, "Oh, that's cool!" And then she hands them to her daughter, and she says, "Oh, that's cool!" And then you know, and I take them back and I said well okay I better get back to the office so I start heading back to the office the clouds are still gathering now it's like eh, it's not gonna be long and when I drive to work I almost always go past my parents house so I'm heading by my parents house and there's my dad out cutting the grass yes he's 82 years old and he's out cutting the grass anyway so I, you know what kind of son am I well I'm working what am I supposed to do well right now I'm looking at the eclipse or anyway so I I pull over I jump out say dad 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 I got the glasses take a look so he says he gets over and he he puts the glasses on. He looks up. He says, "Oh, that's cool." And just as he's looking at it, his neighbor, a uh, woman says over to us, "Is it happening?" And I said, "Yep, it's happening right now. Come on down." And she so she comes out to the front yard and we hand the glasses over to her and she looks up and she says, "Oh, that's cool." And and then Dad's noticing that the clouds that are now in front of the sun are thin enough that you can see the eclipse, but thick enough as to knock down the brightness. And so he says, you, you know, he's got sunglasses on, but he says, look, you can see it without even using the glasses. And I said, well, that's not a good idea. <laughs> even with the clouds, it's not a good idea. But I looked up, I saw it, you know, well, that's cool. And, and, but don't look long, don't look long because, you know, you know, it's 93 million miles away, but million miles away, and it could still cause problems. So be careful. Anyway, so I take the glasses and I say, okay, I got to go back to the office. So I get back, to, I stop and pick up a snack, figuring that it's all done. 
I get into the, uh, uh, the, the parking lot at our office, and I get out, and I put the glasses on, and I look up one more time, and the sun is still visible, although the clouds are real close now. And for about a minute or so, I watch it, and it got to about, I think, about 75%, maybe 80%. Remember, it was going to go to 85, but that's about as far as I got. Then the sun came over, and it was gone. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. That's as much as we're going to get to see. I, like I said last week, if you're if you're prepared for it to be not as cool as uh, as uh, uh, as seeing the whole thing, but you do get to see something, it's not so bad. So I was pretty happy that I got to see what I did. And that's got me thinking though about 2024 when it uh, hap comes through the states again. Maybe we might try to. Uh, find our way to the path of totality we'll see it'll be in april you might want to find some place down south <laughs> where the weather might be a little bit nicer uh let's see i i you know this show is going to be virtually all eclipse talk so i hope you're going to be okay with that because i reached out to some friends who went to the path of totality and i asked for them to give me a paragraph or two or or, or more depending on what they wanted to do uh, describing their experiences, I asked them, you know, what could you see? Uh, what was the, you know, were there a lot of people with you? Uh, what was going on around you? Where did you go? Uh, what kind of traffic did you have getting there, getting away? You know, that kind of stuff. I asked those questions, and uh, I got some, I got some answers back. So I want to go over the answers that I got back as soon as I come back from break. You're listening to Jimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at the Z Talk Radio Network or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, at ztalkradio.com. Uh, I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. More Eclipse Talk when I come back. Z-Talk Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio's Red-Headed Stepchild. It's Dr. Dim on Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. Hi, I'm Amanda Pete. Like all new parents, my husband and I want what's best for our baby. When it was time for our daughter's immunizations, we wanted the facts. So we carefully researched vaccines. We spoke with doctors and other experts and asked some tough questions. We decided the vaccines were the best thing for our child. I urge you to get the facts. Learn the facts about vaccines so you can make the best healthcare decisions for your family. Thank you. A message from the American Academy of Pediatrics and vaccinateyourbaby.org. 
Talk Radio is committed to bringing you the best radio possible. We will test your senses with innovative and entertaining radio programming. Honest, informative, inspirational, and on occasion, controversial. Our listening audience will also have the opportunity to interact with the show hosts and guests through live chat and call-in capabilities. You can't be left out of the loop. Tune into all our live shows once and you'll never turn your computer off again. Z-Talk Radio on your computer dial. Your healthy addiction. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Tonight, or whenever you're listening to this, uh, because podcasts, you can listen to it whenever, I'm talking about the the great eclipse of uh, the great American, uh, United Statesian eclipse of 2017. Uh, and uh, one thing I should note, that uh, the Tuesday following Eclipse Day, uh, it didn't rain, as uh, Friday was suggesting it might. No, Tuesday was bright sun, blue skies, some clouds, but not many. It would, at, and, 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 and on purpose, I did some, I still had the, the Eclipse glasses with me. At 1.06 in the afternoon, that Tuesday, I went outside and I looked up at the sun. Uh, with the glasses, of course, and just just to say, well, this is what it should have been like yesterday. So, let's hope uh, 2024 has clear skies for everybody along the path of totality. I, I'm hearing that uh, there was quite a bit of clouds along the path of totality this year. Quite a bit. Uh, anyway, so, I, as I said, I reached out to some friends uh, to say to tell me about their their path of totality experience, and I got some really good uh, responses. Um, first, uh, my friend Dave. Uh, Dave went to uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Now, his was not necessarily spontaneous uh, an idea of going. He was thinking about it for a couple of weeks. He was looking at the weather for as far out as he could and seeing what might be a good possibility of where to go. And he was thinking about it, and he said the decision to finally really do it was the Saturday before. He and his son uh, hopped in their car after after Dave got done with work on Sunday. Uh, they hit the road about 7 o'clock, and they headed down. And what uh, Dave's plan was, he says, let's go to Des Moines, Iowa. And from Des Moines, Iowa, it's pretty much equidistant to Lincoln, Nebraska, or St. Joseph, uh, Missouri, both of which were on the path. So he figured whichever one looks like they've got the better weather, that's the direction we're going to go. He also figured before leaving, he says, you know, I was thinking of driving all the way through, but then he thought Des Moines, Iowa was far enough away from the, from the path of totality that they probably have some cheap hotel rooms or motel rooms. So he checked into it. He did find a room, so they, they drove down to Des Moines, 
got a room, and uh, then early the next morning, they took off to Lincoln, Nebraska, because it looked like Lincoln would have a better chance of getting a good view, because uh, St. Joseph looked like it was going to be raining. So they got out there. He said he never, <clears throat> there was never much uh, terrible traffic. Little bit there was uh, I ninety or I eighty was closed down for a little bit because of uh, I guess there was an accident or something. But he used his GPS to find another way around, and he got there to Lincoln, and they found a little park. And he said there were a few people there, but it wasn't it wasn't you know huge crowds. So there was somebody there that had a real nice uh, telescope for which they could look at it, and and you know whatnot, and uh, but it was it was cloudy, you know the clouds would open a little bit, a little patchy, a little bit, you know okay they're watching it, they might have they, they didn't get to see much of the buildup as the moon was making its way across. They did see the skies getting a little darker, and he said and then when totality came, the clouds didn't completely part, but they got thin enough that they could get a pretty good view of the of the total eclipse. They could they could look up and say, "Oh, look, there it is!" And he said it was totally worth it. He really enjoyed it. His traffic on the way back, nothing terrible. A few slowdown spots, but nothing more than he would expect on a normal trip uh, driving cross country. So uh, that was Dave's experience. Dave and, and his son, uh, uh, my friend Joel. Who's a, he's a member of the Minnesota Skeptics. You know, Dave is too. He's been to a couple meetings, but Joel's one of the guys that have been there for a long time and is very regular in showing up at the meetings. And uh, he, he planned a trip out to Oregon. And I'm not exactly certain where in Oregon he went, uh, but it was probably central Oregon and, uh, or near about central Oregon. And he, was, uh, he said it was interesting how subtle it was when it got darker leading up to the total. He says he didn't really notice it getting darker until it was about 80%. And he says, okay, then you could see it. And then when it went 100%, it was dark, but not middle of the night kind of dark. There was still some you know, sky that you could see. There was still twilight sky kind of looking thing. Uh, but you know, he said, but it did get dark. He was able to see Venus. Uh, he said that his brother who was in Idaho said that he could see some stars and that he was able to see Bailey's beads, which I'd never heard of Bailey's beads. You know, when they were talking about the eclipse, that just as the moon is just about to completely go into total mode of, across the sun, there's this thing called the diamond ring. They've been calling it the diamond ring. And just as it's coming out of total, the diamond ring shows up again. And that means that, you know, you got the circle of the eclipse uh, is there. And then at one end of it, it gets really bright. And it looks like it's a diamond ring, you know, like an engagement ring. Kind of that's what they're calling it. But Bailey's beads, named for an astronomer who spotted them, are not quite the diamond ring. It's but it happens almost at the same time or just before, where little it, it's like little balls of light start to show up along the edge, just before totality and just after totality. It's just like that that can happen. Now Joel said he didn't see them, but his brother did, and his brother also said that he could see some stars, but Joel couldn't see that. Uh, he said that uh, the people around him were talking about how it, gotten, it had gotten cooler, the temperature, but he didn't notice that. Um, now his, his uh, traffic story, you know, he said he saw the corona, said, the way he put it, it says, the corona was very clear and beautiful. Uh, and he said as far as the traffic went, getting there, he said, wasn't too bad. He, got, he ended up wherever he was going at about 2 in the morning. Uh, 
uh, or that's when he's, yeah, I think that's what he said, about two in the morning. And um, the problem was <laughs> leaving. And, you know, and that would seem to be right because it's, it's, it's like a sporting event or a concert or something where a whole lot of people come to one place and, and getting there, you can, you can show up an hour beforehand or two hours beforehand or half hour beforehand or three hours beforehand and find your parking spot, do whatever you got to do and then work your way into the stadium or wherever you're going. And it's more of an ease kind of thing. Of course, there's always people that are late, but if you plan for it, you can make it easy. You just show up, get your parking spot, you know, find your seats and hang out. Leaving, everybody leaves at once, or most everybody leaves at once, so it begins to get really clustered. <laughs> and he said uh, he was taking uh, Oregon, Oregon 97, let's see, it's either County 97 or Highway 97, I think Highway 97, and it's a two-lane highway, and it's the only one in central Iowa, that, or Iowa, Oregon, that goes north-south. So... All these people are headed to there and driving on that. He figures a lot of Californians were uh, heading on home, for, and he just yeah, he must have saw a lot of California plates. And he said it took to go 114 miles. It took nine and a half hours driving. He also pointed out that he noticed. Uh, trash along the sides of the road and a lot of them were um, uh, bottles and he said I can just imagine what those bottles were filled with you know what I mean you know what I mean you, you've heard of piss bottles you know truckers these dudes guys will in long time driving if they have you know they don't want to stop to pee so they have a bottle and they pee in a bottle yeah that's so he was figuring that and then he had a question what do women do if they're stuck in traffic for that long they, they have to go pee at some point do they work out a bottle thing too? Do they use a funnel? I want. I. That's curious. If you know, let me know. Email me at at dim at drdim at dimland.com. D r d i m at dimland.com. If you have an idea how women handle it, let me know. Uh, then I, I have a story from Chris. Chris is a friend of mine who is uh, who lives out in Connecticut. Now Chris and his family had already planned a trip out to the west. They were going to Vancouver Island which is up there in, in Canada, on the West Coast, and before a, uh, a family member was getting married. So they were already planning a trip out there where they would go for the wedding and they would stay for a few days and, and just kind of relax and hang around. And uh, in the previous school year, his son, who, who was in high school, had an astronomy teacher suggest to his students that they should, if they can, if they have the means and are able to get there, they should find the path of totality and check out the total eclipse. It's really something to see. So Chris's son said, can we maybe figure out if we can do that? Well, they thought, well, you know, it's just a, this, this trip we're taking is just a few days before the eclipse. Uh, Chris being uh, one of the bosses of the company, being one of the owners of the company for, for which he works, and being one of the bosses, he can he can say, I think I'll extend my vacation. So he figured they'll find a way, you know, back along, you know, the path. He said the path of totality is just anywhere along there is on the way home. Because he's out in Connecticut. Yeah. So they picked Nashville, Tennessee. 
And what <clears throat> his experience was was that uh, it, he did not. He was expecting. You know, he got he got rooms, or, or a hotel room or rooms, for them and uh, for the family. And he was he said it was very expensive. And he had a fear that maybe once he got there, there'd be confusion, lots of people in the city, maybe they overbooked, problems like that, because they were expecting maybe 50 or 100,000 people to flood into Nashville. Uh, but Chris's uh, hypothesis was that the bigger cities probably are better equipped to handle the influx of people. You can imagine a town that maybe has 300 people in this town, but it's on the path of totality, and all of a sudden 10,000 people show up. That could be a, a bit of a problem. Well... They got there a few days ahead, and uh, no problems, got the room. He said he never noticed any, any big delays or uh, any problems at getting seats at restaurants or anything like that. So they, they went to a concert at the Grand Ole Opry. They, they checked out the Country, Hall, uh, Country Music Hall of Fame and just did some of the sights. And then when the day came, uh, they gathered, uh, let's see, I don't know exactly where. I didn't write it down, but wherever they gathered, to watch this take place. I think it was, uh, actually, it was in front of the uh, Tennessee State House. Yeah, it was in front of the State House. Um, they got there, and they got to see the build of the eclipse. But once it got to totality, the clouds had come over. I don't think he got to see much at all, uh, which is ugh, bummer. But, but he still says, you know, it was a good experience. It got dark. It got cooler. Because it's Tennessee, you know, kind of warm. It got cooler. He could feel that. And he said all the crickets started chirping. And some bats came out flying around. So he thought that was pretty interesting. And uh, they had no problem traffic-wise or anything like that. They got to the airport, flew back home, no problems. And he says the family is now already making plans for 2024. And he's saying perhaps they'll go to Montreal. Montreal, that would be cool. All right, <clears throat> but I have one other story. This is from Maddie. Uh, Maddie is a, a Minnesota skeptic. She's a friend of mine, and uh, she does a podcast called um, um, A Minnesota Trans Atheist Podcast. It's really good. She's looking for it on iTunes. Uh, it's, it's, she, I love her monologues that she does on that podcast, and she has interesting guests, and I get to learn a lot about, about the trans community and skepticism and atheism and the stuff she talks about, so it's very cool. And I asked her for a couple paragraphs, like everybody else, and she sent me two pages. So I'm going to read this because I think she wrote it so well. I'm just going to read this whole thing, and, uh, and here you go. She says, uh, Interestingly, an eclipse is not something that is best experienced online. In an age of e-filing, e-mail, and e-readers, um, it, it has been my experience that a total solar eclipse is best viewed with your own two eyes. To make this possible, my spouse and two grandchildren climbed into the car and headed to Homestead, Homestead National Monument in Beatrice, Nebraska. We chose Homestead mostly for its good fortune of being the hometown of my spouse and their family, which meant we didn't have to worry about lodging. Afternoons in southern Nebraska around late August are generally sunny, so we were not concerned with cloud cover. If there were any doubts as to the choice of viewing locations, we, they were quickly drowned out by my teenage grandkids being excited about viewing the eclipse and seeing Bill Nye in person. When a 14 and 15 year old are expressing an interest in science, it's hard not to be happy. 
We parked at the local fairgrounds and waited in line for a bus to shuttle us the remaining few miles to Homestead. I've been to Homestead before. It's not the most attended of our national monuments, or at least the many times in the past that I've visited, the attendance has been sparse with a car or two in the parking lot. Today, however, the park experienced an estimated 15,000 visitors, and the National Park Service did an exemplary job of demonstrating their unpreparedness. We found an empty patch of grass to spread our, our blanket on, arranged our viewing glasses, solar filters, water bottles, and snacks. We were ready to view the eclipse. Unfortunately, the eclipse wasn't ready to be viewed. The promise of clear skies turned out to be an empty promise. We were covered under a patchy blanket of clouds with a bright spot to show us where the sun shone teasingly and unobserved above. Despite not being able to observe first contact at 1137 Central, we remained optimistic. After all, there were plenty of patches of blue sky around. If only the clouds would blow in the right direction. Around noon, we finally got a break. About 20% of the sun was covered, and the crowd erupted into cheers. I had expected the crowd to cheer. We were, after all, self-selected science nerds, but I wasn't expecting to take that much joy out of hearing the crowd cheer. Unfortunately, the clear patch was only short-lived, and a couple minutes later, the sun was once again hidden. It's here that I want to insert a quick note to those who have extolled against anyone use, looking at the sun without proper eyewear. I will address this in a little bit, too. I did. For much of this eclipse, the sun was hidden behind clouds. However, there were patches of clouds just thin enough to block out most of the sun, but leaving enough light coming through where the eclipse was visible. Was visible. Writing this two days later, my eyes did not suffer any noticeable damage. However, I can't actually recommend relying on cloud cover for eclipse viewing, which, yes, you shouldn't, because it could still probably cause some damage. So we remained patient. Bill Nye was on stage talking to the crowd about eclipse-related science, how the Earth-Moon uh, distance ratio makes our eclipses unique in the solar system, how the corona is so much hotter than the surface of the sun, a brief talk about general relativity, and a variety of solar trivia. Totality was nearing, however, and the crowd began to get anxious. I know this because I myself was anxious, and I naturally assume everyone around me thinks exactly as I do. It's odd, as the moon is passing in front of the sun relative to our position in Homestead, the sky was growing more dim. So what is so odd is that it's not the normal kind of dimming that one experiences during sunset. It's more like a dimmer switch being slowly turned down on the sun. There were no reds, yellows, and oranges as wavelengths of light are beautifully reflected through more and more atmosphere relative to our eyes. It just gets dimmer. It's a slow process. You don't even notice it at first. And then someone points it out, and the lack of light becomes instantly noticeable. Totality in our location was scheduled for 1.02 p.m., I say scheduled because the movement of the astronomical bodies throughout the solar system is only a theory after all, and there is a controversy over why NASA insisted this event be viewed with special eyewear, but I digress. Oh, and I'll be talking about that a little bit too. Although the sun was not still not visible around 1 p.m., with very little sun presumably not covered, a false dusk had settled on us and yet our attention was more focused on the sky and what we couldn't see. 
Finally, with less than 30 seconds to go, the clouds parted and the crowd erupted as if Kirby Puckett had just hit a home run in Game 6 of the 1991 World Series. Oh, I'm sure she threw that in there just for me. She knows I like baseball so much. <laughs> but that's that sounds cool. I've seen plenty of videos and pictures of an eclipse. I've read plenty of accounts. It may sound cliche, but nothing prepared me from looking up and seeing the sun 99% covered with just a thin, bright crescent of the sun shining through. A thin, bright crescent that could still destroy my retina. It felt as though that thin crescent would hold out forever, but the constant rotation of planetary bodies predictably shut out the final piece of the sun. We removed our eclipse glasses and totality began. In Homestead we had two and a half minutes of promised totality, and despite a cloudy morning and early afternoon, we got to experience every moment. I'm not an overly sentimental and emotional person. Oh, wait a minute. I am, I, I'm not. Maddie is. I'm an overly sentimental and emotional person. I cried. I lay on the ground, looking up, and felt the tears rolling down the sides of my head. I was overjoyed, happy, couldn't believe this was happening, and felt like my heart was too small for my chest. For the, uh, the corona stretched out, and the sight was surreal. Time is relative, and those two and a half minutes demonstrated how relative it was as they quickly ended. Bill and I counted down from the stage when to put our glasses back on, and we were able to view the diamond ring as the first rays of the sun came streaming at us from behind the still-moving moon. The clouds continued to be nice, so despite totality being over, we remained glued to the sun, enjoying an eclipse in reverse. The majority of the crowd, however, began to disperse. I could continue this narrative discussing how the shuttle service back to the fairgrounds nearly caused a violent mob as the National Park Service did their best to manage a 15,000 uh, 15, people trying to leave essentially at once. I personally waited in line over three hours for a bus, at one point moving away to not get caught up in the shoving, yelling, and frustration. And yet, it was worth it. Less than three minutes of totality... It was beautiful, it was moving, it was something I can't wait to experience again. I don't know if I'll be as moved the next time. I don't know if I'll cry every time I stand in the shadow of the moon, but I'm looking forward to finding out. Oh, Maddie, that was awesome. Excellent write-up. Man, I wish I'd gone. Uh, oh, I'll have to look at 2024. All right, I'm going to go to my next break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I shall return, uh, you know, shortly. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z-Talk Radio. Did you see that UFO sighting that made the news? What did that latest study about alternative treatments really say? Is this photo making the rounds real or a hoax? Doubtful News is a unique website featuring news about pseudoscience, the paranormal, anomalies, and questionable claims framed with a skeptical view. Come visit doubtfulnews.com every day for news about cryptozoology, conspiracies, shams, scams, and more. 
follow us on Twitter at Doubtful News. Critical thinking is essential in assessing today's news. Doubtful News helps you decide, can you really believe this stuff? Lord, honey, can somebody tell me what my future holds? Hey, man, you think I can get a reading? Wrong answer. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Dr. Dim, Jim Fitzsimmons, only on Z Talk Radio. Your assignment is to listen to the buzz on Monday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Central on ztalkradio.com. This message will self-destruct. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at uh, ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. Tonight, I'm doing a eclipse show, a wrap-up of the eclipse. Got a couple quick little things to get through here before I get into uh, something else. <laughs> uh, most everything should be eclipse-related on the show tonight, but I think I might sneak in something. Uh, I wanted to... Last week, I alluded to this... Um, I alluded to... I'm trying to quietly open up this sheet of paper. Uh, I alluded to this, uh, and um, I found the piece that was written for it, and I thought, I'm going to read this because it says it better than I was able to say last week, and when I read it, you'll you'll recognize it. <clears throat> uh, it's, this has been passed around on the Internet. It says, uh, It's interesting to me that seemingly no one is taking issue with scientists predicting an eclipse. No one is saying... Scientists have been wrong before, so I'm not going to trust them about this. No one is insisting that it is all part of some massive conspiracy. No one is claiming that they can predict eclipses better than scientists because of something they read online. Indeed, everyone seems quite content to admit that scientists are competent and have a really good understanding of the physical world. Everyone implicitly accepts that scientists know more about science than they do. So then, why is it that on topics like climate change, vaccines, evolution, etc., suddenly everyone thinks they know more than scientists do? I wouldn't say everyone thinks that, because I know I don't. But I know what they're saying here. I mean, I'm just being a little pedantic, because you know me. But, yeah, yeah. Well, why? Oh, no, that eclipse isn't going to happen. No, no, no. It's, their scientists are wrong. They've been wrong before. I mean, exactly what that said. We, everybody was on board. Because why are you people here? You don't think evolution's real? You think the scientists are wrong about climate change? Why don't you think they're wrong about this? They also don't think, don't think the scientists are wrong every time they get on an airplane and it flies. <laughs> you know. Oh, some people might not get on an airplane because they're afraid of crashing, but still. All right. 
I was really hoping that I would be able to find uh, a music clip of this to play for you. Now, uh, there is a video on YouTube. I will link to it in the show notes so that you can check it out. But let me tell you, and I'm going to try and keep this short, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to try because I don't want to get too much into a rant. But uh, it seems like the official song of the eclipse this year was Bonnie Tyler's Total Eclipse of the Heart, which that song is, how shall I say it? How shall I say it? It is a piece of shit. If you like the song, that's fine. I could be wrong. You, your opinion is just as valid, because it's music. It's art. It's objective. Not everybody's right, but I'm right. The song is shit. It's written by Jim Steinman. I never liked Jim Steinman's work. I always found it crappy. I always found it overblown, overwrought, bombastic, overly theatrical. I never liked it. I never liked it as a kid. I remember seeing the trailers for Streets of Fire, which has songs in it that Jim Steinman wrote. And when the songs were playing in the trailer, I thought, oh, that sounds like Meatloaf. And Meatloaf, all his songs were written by Jim Steinman. And you know, and there, there might be one, Two Out of Three Ain't Bad, that song. That song's okay. But even that has all the same elements, but it's okay. But everything else I've heard by Meatloaf, I just can't stand. You know, that Love by the Dashboard Light? We used to go to St. Paul nightclubs, which are not as cool as Minneapolis nightclubs, or at least some of the Minneapolis nightclubs. And they would be playing music for the people to dance to, and they would play Love by the Dashboard Light. And let me tell you, trying to watch a bunch of people dance to that song is, is pathetic <laughs> because the song is not danceable. There might be moments in it that are, but you're just watching these people kind of trying to shuffle around to it. It's just, oh, God. And I just, I can't, I couldn't stand it. So when I saw the trailer to Streets of Fire, I thought, well, that looks like it's going to suck because that music sounds like meatloaf music, and meatloaf sucks. <laughs> the food and the singer. Uh, it's, it, again, these are my opinions. Yours may vary. <laughs> so, so Bonnie Tyler, Tyler, Tyler gets this thing, Total Eclipse of Heart. Look, the, the official song of the Eclipse should not have been that song. That song's from the 80s. I get a song from the 80s, I'm pretty sure it's from the 80s, that, or at least I discovered it in the 80s, that should have been the song for the Total Eclipse. The song is by Klaus Nomi. He's a performance artist, singer, or, you know, he's, 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 not, he's no longer alive, but uh, he used to do some pretty interesting stuff, and he used to sing, he, you know, he, I'm not even, he was, he, was, he was male, and he would sing in a high falsetto, operatic falsetto and and i think he could do like a soprano voice for a guy or something i'm not even sure but he does a song called total eclipse of the sun now one that's already more fitting for an eclipse song because it's not an eclipse song of the heart it's of the sun it's already there and two it's a better song i will link to it you can check it out I remember seeing that for the first time. It's in the movie Erg, A Music War, which is a live concert film with a bunch of alternative uh, music acts in it. It's got the police in it. It's got XTC and, and other, you know, it's got Devo and the Cramps. and all, it's, really, it's, it's really cool if you're into that kind of music. If you're not, you might think that I have no taste in music and you think I'm wrong. Well, that's your opinion. You're wrong. I'm right. It's my show. I will link to that video clip. When I first saw it, I just went, wow, this guy's something. And it was cool. Okay. So that should be the official song of the Eclipse. <sighs> so uh, I have a Dimland radio.
Well, yeah, I do have one of these. It's time for another Dimland Radio pedantic moment. What did they get wrong this time, Dim? Well, I'll tell you what they got wrong. It's a pedantic moment. I'll tell you what they got wrong. And this is Eclipse-related. I'm going to read to you a few headlines that I saw on the Internet the day after the eclipse. Okay? I want you to see... uh, There's a few things that are in common here, but there's one particular word and derivatives of that word, or variations of that word, I should say, that I want you to listen for. Okay, um, here's, a, here's a headline from The Independent, their website. That's a paper in the UK. Donald Trump stares into solar eclipse while aides shout, don't look. Trump's naked stare eclipses White House photo op. That's the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, Trump stares at the sun during eclipse. Will it harm his eyes? That's livescience.com. Not too bright, Trump trolled for staring at the eclipse with no eye protection, the Guardian. President Trump stares right into solar eclipse without glasses, New York Daily News. Trump stares at solar eclipse without protective glasses, that's the Sydney Morning Herald. Trump, uh, Donald Trump stares at the sun without eye protection during solar eclipse, that's the title of a YouTube video. Uh, Watch Trump stare directly at sun during eclipse. That's from theweek.com. Donald Trump stares directly at solar eclipse without glasses, despite all warnings against it. That's from AOL.com. Did you catch the word that I'm trying to make sure that you hear? No, it's not eclipse. It's not sun. It's not solar. And it's not Donald Trump. It stares. Folks. Yes, it makes for funny memes. It does. It makes for funny memes to take a photo of Trump squinting, looking up, and pointing at the sun. It, it's fu- it makes for funny memes. But when you have news sites, that some of these are, I want accuracy. I had someone accuse me of being a, a Trump apologist and said they don't tolerate assholes and then dropped me as a friend on Facebook uh, it's, you know, they, they don't tolerate assholes except for themselves. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, no, I'm not a Trump apologist. If you listen to my show, you know that. You know I criticize him. You know I call him the fifth grader in the Oval Office. You know that. But he didn't stare at the sun. He glanced. I saw the live video feed. I didn't see it live, but you know I went on YouTube. There's a, a CNN feed. And Anderson Cooper is interviewing somebody, and there's a split screen going on. There's a pic, there's a video of President Trump with his wife and kid and other people gathering out at the White House to look at the eclipse. And there's another shot of what's going on with the eclipse, and they're talking over it. And you see Trump, you know, you see him. This is how he he this is how he stared at the sun. Look up, look down. Look up, look down. That's how he stared at the sun. He glimpsed. He glanced. He glanced at the sun. I'm sure just about everybody else who went out to look at the, at the eclipse glanced at the sun without the protective eyewear on. There are some that may have been disciplined enough not to do it. I did. In fact, I'll bet you a good percentage of the people who glanced at the sun did so to locate where's the sun before they put the glasses on. 
Because when you put the glasses on, it's black in front of your eyes. So I can imagine people, oh, the sun's up there. Okay, there they go. And then they put the glasses They didn't put the glasses on and just put their head up like they should have. Now, a glance is not going to kill you. And Maddie, re Maddie even referenced that in, in her talk about her eclipse experience. And Maddie is even less of a Trump apologist than I am, and I'm not one. So I want accuracy in headlines. I want accuracy in reporting. A glimpse, a glance is not a stare. A stare is look up, keep looking, keep looking, look some more, keep looking, keep looking. Now you're blind. Okay, that's staring. Words mean something. You know, I know language is fluid and can change, but this is, you know, the, when you see a still photograph of him looking up, you're thinking, this idiot is staring at the sun. No, he's not. He glimpsed up because a still photograph catches that moment. Photographs can lie. I give 10 points to the Boston Globe. Its headline was, Did President Trump just stare directly at the solar eclipse without glasses? And in the article, it explained, no, he didn't. He glanced. Sorry, I know, I know, I'm in the, uh, you know, Trump apologist. I know, I know. Um, but what are you going to do? Oh, that's right. Okay, I've got a Dimland ARG. Uh <clears throat> We just watched the movie Kong Skull Island. And by we, I mean my wife, my son, and I. And I don't know if you've seen it. It's really good. It's very entertaining. I actually watched it twice over the weekend. We got it through the Netflix. And in the movie, there's a character uh, played by Brie Larson. And this character is a photographer. She is a photographer that works, uh, you know, she gets embedded in with, uh, with uh, an army unit in Vietnam. The film takes place in about 1973, 74. So the Vietnam War is, is winding down, and she's she's a war ph photographer, uh, but she, but she says in the movie, I'm an anti-war photographer. Uh, she says that to a colonel played by Samuel L. Jackson, and uh, I thought, nah, that's that's a bit of today's sensibilities sipping into the 1970s. You're saying this. Uh, I mean, I it may be a journalist, a photojournalist back then would say something like that to a colonel that is in charge of a military unit that is meant to protect him going into some dangerous situation. Uh, maybe, but I doubt it. I don't think you're going to wear your anti-war sentiment on your sleeve while you, and, and put it in the face of the guy that's supposed to be protecting you. Yeah, I find that a little meh. But it's not the ARG. The ARG is, she's a photographer. Now, we know that when it starts, when she's introduced, because she's in a dark room, and all around her are 8 by 10 printouts, prints of her pictures. Now, judging by the way this woman takes pictures from the movie, it must have taken about 20 years for her to get all those pictures. You see, Amy was the first to point this out. Uh... As the movie begins, she gets in with this group of uh, soldiers that are going to escort in some scientists to Skull Island. 
and and she, they're on this uh, freighter ship that's going in. It's got all these helicopters on the deck, and they're heading in, and she's taking pictures of the guys. And the film shows the pictures being viewed from inside the camera, and then when she takes the picture, it goes still and black and white. You hear the click, still, black and white. So the, she took a picture. That's how the that's the language the film has established, so we know that she's taking a picture. And she does... I know three, four, five of these pictures of these guys. And then they get onto the island. And they encounter Kong. I won't go give everything, but their first encounter with Kong was harrowing enough that I can understand her not taking pictures because she was more interested in surviving. Okay? That's all I'll say about that. So I understand it. Then they get on the ground. And they're, you know, they're, there's two groups of them. They got separated, or actually three groups. Well, they got separated and they're working their way to rendezvous. And along the way, they encounter a gigantic water buffalo. Huge! About ten times the size of an actual water buffalo. At first, they think it's a hill coming out of the water. She stops. They, this thing sets up, and it's feet away from them. She's got the camera hanging around her neck. She picks up the camera. She looks, snaps one picture. Click. Now, we don't see the black and white thing. We just hear her take a picture. She takes one picture! You don't want to take a second one? It's film. Maybe the film has a defect right in that point where you took the picture. You don't want to take another one? You don't want to have somebody stand in and in, in get in the picture with you so you have scale? You don't want anything like that? You don't want to take more than one picture? And she had opportunities to take pictures of Kong. Kong just standing there. Kong up close looking at her. Kong battling with a couple of monsters at a couple different times. And she never once takes a picture. We were saying... Take a picture, the three of us. Take a picture. You're a photojournalist. What are you doing? So Amy said, the way she got through it was that any time that we knew she was present during a interchange with Kong or a battle that Kong's doing or something, any time that she's, we know she's on the scene, but she's not in the shot, whenever that's happening, she's taking pictures. It was ridiculous. Okay, I got three cool things. I'm already over time anyways. So what do I care? I got three cool things. They all have to do with the eclipse. Uh, th number three, uh, my friend's stories about the eclipse. Weren't they cool? Wasn't Maddie's story great? That was cool. Those are cool. Number two, uh, getting to share my, my solar glasses with, uh, solar eclipse glasses, with uh, a bunch of people so that they could take a look at it as, as well as just me being able to take a look at it. And number one, me getting to see it. <laughs> As much as I did, I'll, I, you know, 75 or 80% of it, I'm not sure exactly where it was, but it was pretty close. I'll take it. it. It wasn't totality and it wasn't all the peak that we were supposed to get here, but dang it, it was good enough. Good night, Adolfo. Good night, Frau Blucher. All right, so that's the end of another show. Uh, be skeptical. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And please, take pictures. If you're a photographer, take pictures. You know, I understand the awe might stop you for a bit, but once you're past that, take some pictures. Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, reminding you all to sleep with the lights off.
You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Well, I'm going to hell. Take a picture.